This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Marcus, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome to another edition of the Sea to Sky podcast. My name is Marcus. I am sitting with Mike Young, owner of Dynamic Properties, co-owner, correct? That's correct. Yep. Dynamic and Property Management. I got it right before we start recording. I start recording <laughs> yeah. and I get it wrong. Dynamic Market. <laughs> Dynamic <laughs> Properties Management. Just look at the car. Oh, the nice Fiat. Dynamic Property Management. Perfect. That's okay. Everybody calls it Dynamic Properties. That's okay. <laughs> All right. So Mike Young of Dynamic Properties. And I have Matthew Trotter of Ride Hub. You know more of the business end, Mike, about what's happening in terms of Grand Review of yeah. Airbnb and Squamish. And you, Matt, of course, have an Airbnb. So Airbnb came up quite a bit in the elections, um, mainly because we have a housing issue and the rental market, we don't have one. So a lot of people like to point at Airbnb because a lot of other cities have pointed at Airbnb that caused a lot of issues. They say it brings up property prices. It brings up the cost of uh, living in a certain areas because you're catering more to tourists than, say, locals. Airbnb really have a big effect. I mean, if you I'll do- start with the first thing that you said, which <laughs> okay. was a lot of places, mm-hmm. you know, tend to point the finger at Airbnb. And I think that's inherently what I think is the problem is that without any sort of data or information that, that can justify what they're deciding, they've gone ahead and just decided to point the finger and say, this is the problem and we're going to put a bandaid on it. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's a much bigger issue, right? That's that's the only thing I can think about is that I think Airbnb plays a plays a role. All Airbnb is in reality is a is an online travel booking tool for for accommodation, right? Yep. Like it's it's a it's a it's a platform, right? So short term rentals is the actual like question: is short term rentals really impacting it? Because I mean, you know, my place was listed on Bookings, it was listed on Expedia, it's listed on Airbnb. Like it's not just Airbnb, right? And it's just the ease of use I think that's kind of created that that perception that oh hey this has happened. And everyone immediately turned around and put their hand in there and said, we, we've got to point the finger at something. Something's wrong. Why is there no rental availability? And they went, Airbnb is probably making this problem. So it's Airbnb. And and that, I think, is is a short-sighted way to look at what the problem is. It's easier to use Airbnb as a person with a rental space than it is anywhere else. 100%. I mean, you can't, you can't go to Trivago and say, I have a space. Put <laughs> yeah. me on your live one. Oh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> you know That's, what I mean? Like, yeah. So Airbnb is more like, I have a spot, here's some pictures, and then you're on there. So accessibility for a short-term rental is, I think, a lot easier on Airbnb. Yeah. Put your space up, and then you're taking your space off the market, and therefore you have those short-term rentals. Yeah. And and so it's about creating, I wouldn't say barriers, but a way for to make it sort of legal. Is Airbnb technically legal in Squamish? Well, this is the interesting yeah. thing. It, it it was for a while, and then it suddenly wasn't with very little public input. In fact, zero public input. I don't think the zoning allows for uh, bed and breakfast unless you have a license in your unit. This is what happened, right? So I started digging on this because I'm a, I'm a firm believer in rules, right? I was a military kid, raised in a military family, mm-hmm. all the rules. So when I moved here, my whole thing was, hey, I'm going to get a place. I want to be able to afford a place. And how am I going to do that? I need I have a business. I want to augment business income. Airbnb is going to make sense. So looking at the rules, all the zoning, there was nothing that banned short-term rentals in principal residences, secondary suites, nothing like that. The wording and the language and the bylaws didn't exist. And when you actually looked where things went sideways was back in November, December 2017, they came out with that idea. They wanted to make secondary suites easier, right? Yeah. They wanted to increase the number of people who had suites. Well, yeah, they brought off the DCCs. They did all those little yeah. stuff. So they tried them. to get rid of all... So they, the the 
the advertisement of this was we're doing a bylaw to make it easier for secondary suites and make people have carriage houses and we want to make more units, right? We're going to reduce the licensing costs and all that stuff. So everyone was like, great. Like nobody's like, there's a problem here. Everyone's like, this is awesome. So that bylaw started down that path. And then on the second reading of that bylaw, of which nobody had a problem, somebody decided to say, we need an amendment to ban Airbnb. So they added one line to the secondary suites area, to the multi-unit area, and another, a third spot. And it just said, short-term rentals are not permitted. Airbnb and short-term rentals and nightly rentals are considered uh, a commercial enterprise. So you're doing a commercial enterprise in your residential. Of which I have a business license to do so. I have a business license for my house. So it allows me to run a small business in my home. Which includes nightly rental? Well, this is the thing. So if you're not banning short-term rentals... Right. So this is this is where I go to the district and I'm like, hey, like I need to figure out what's legal, what's not legal here. Mm -hmm. But I'll finish kind of what happened there. So the second reading comes around. They put in this one line item and then all of a sudden they were going to go to their third reading. They're like, whoa, 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 this is a big enough change. We have to take this to public hearing, public consultation, because we're adding a short term rental ban on secondary suites, carriage houses and multi multi tenant residents. Um, That's pretty much everything that's that's everything except for principal residents right so they're banning it from all of the what they would consider their rental market carriage houses uh secondary suites and multi-tenant units so they're like okay we have to have a public consultation so then the public consultation gets advertised as you remember that bylaw we were making for secondary suites to make it easier for everything just like we're having a public consultation on it so (laughs) no one shows up (laughs) because we already got our discount thanks right and it wasn't like hey by the way we're we're going to be banning secondary suites for short-term rentals. and we're going to, that, that wasn't how it was publicly notified. Because if that was the case, there's 400 plus people in town that are apparently making revenue from this. You think people would have showed up to voice an opinion. So it was kind of buried in a bylaw that wasn't built for what it did. And all of a sudden, it's banned. And that's when it showed up on the front page of the paper. Hey, secondary suites, we're going to start enforcing this. People are, And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize this was illegal because I didn't even realize that it happened. So I immediately went to the district and I was like, hey, I need a license for a bed and breakfast, right? Because I guess that's what I have. I have a, I guess it'll be a bed and breakfast. So I applied and they denied me. And they're like, you can't have a and b And I was like, why? They're like, because your suite is separated from your house. I was like, what do you mean? They're like, well, if, you're, if your secondary suite was actually had a door to your main house inside, we could give you a permit. But because it's fully separated, we can't license you. That's backwards. Okay. Okay. But that's just the way the rules are written. But for bed and breakfast, you have to serve breakfast. Exactly. Yeah. Which we and could do. And I mean, it, well, it's yeah. not hard like, yeah. cooking some eggs and throwing on a plate and go, here you go. Right? It could be muffins, right? <laughs> like leaving trays of my, like there's, there's literally like it's looking for loopholes to find ways around. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the right way forward? Right. So it's like everybody's just trying to, to do a thing. And, and like I said, it was a, Everybody pointed the finger and said Airbnb is a problem. So the, the reaction from council was ban it. And how do we ban it? We just ban it there. Now, why they didn't ban it from the principal residences, but just the secondary suites and everything? Like, well, I'm, I, I was I, confused. I think that, I, maybe they just didn't fully understand what was going on in terms of market. As, as you would know, Mike, it's yeah. one of those things where we have a 0.3 or 00 rental market. So I think if you sort of open up those places where they can offer rentals, then you're going to sort of make a dent into that rental market. Now, would 400 spaces, would that actually make a dent in the rental market? If you say you can't do short term here, you have to rent out to long term residents. 
Well, the, the 400 plus units are single total homes, not just necessarily secondary suite and uh, carriage accessory buildings. It's, it's a mix. Yeah, it's and that's the problem is that the data that the district's using is actually flawed because Airbnb doesn't differentiate between a full home and my secondary suite. They're carriage, all considered yeah. full homes. It's, it's hard for us to know ag- exactly what that problem is. Well, just say 400. Let's just take the big number. Is mm-hmm. that is that really a big issue? Like Because of all the properties you manage, yeah. you tell me. So some of the data that the district used was there's approximately 2,000 uh, rental units in town. So if you add 400, then it could make a significant difference. We're, I think we're upside down about 700 right now. So we need 700 more units than we currently have. So it would make a difference. But that's to say that the people that are currently renting your suite or your home as an Airbnb or, sorry, short-term rental would actually put it on the market at that time. Some of the data that the district received said that a large portion of them make less than $5,000 per year renting out their short-term rental. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now you could make more than $5,000 a year by renting out that space as a long-term rental. So perhaps some of the people are, are only advertising for when they go on vacation. For family. Or family. That's like, that was part of the big driver for us as well was just thinking that, hey, if we need a family to come for a month, this gives us the flexibility to be able to say, this is not available. We've got friends or family coming into town. We can use it for them. And yeah, to the point, it's like how many people really want that full-time renter versus being able to just supplement a little bit with income, right? Like just go, okay, you know what, for this month or this month over the summer, we're, you know, we're going to be around or we're not going to be around and we want to have people in. Or I think there's other issues too, like not, not point, like the short-term rental thing is awesome in regards to you have turnover. Even in Ontario, way back when I had issues with people renting my house. I mean, I rented my house to one of my best friends growing up. And he still destroyed my house and I still couldn't get him out. Yeah. And I think in British Columbia, I could be mistaken, in British Columbia, it's even harder to get a tenant out because of the housing issue. So if you have a tenant that's not very respectful to the property, it's going to be a pain in the bum to get rid of them. And whereas with short-term rentals, you don't really have that issue. You have that one tenant that's a pain, then you give them a bad rating. and then They're you, gone they're, in 24 hours. They're gone. <laughs> <laughs> and you have another. And, yeah. and that's the thing too, is there's the accountability thing. Like one thing Airbnb did and what Uber did as well, right? Is it was two way accountability. Great, you can rate me as a host, but I can rate you as a guest, yeah. right? And that was a nice thing about Uber. Awesome, right? I can rate that cab driver, but that cab driver can turn around and rate me. So it creates this mutually a mutual respect behavior. Exactly, yeah. and and I think about it like I've had I've had people in that unit for over almost two years, right? We've been using people in that unit for almost two years, and I've had one experience where a person damaged something and just tried to hide it. And we called them on it and they were happy to, to fix what they had broken in two years. And we're seeing 168 guests a year. It, it's wonderful. And they're nice people and they're there to enjoy the space and they're here on vacation. They're generally in pretty good <laughs> uh, spirits most days, right? Like, oh, I'm here enjoying Squamish and this is an awesome place. So you get a very different experience. We had actually had a longer term tenant in initially for three months prior to putting it on Airbnb. And it was it was not good. Period. It, it, it was not. And we've had bad experiences, not just myself. My wife's parents rented for or property managers for a number of years. They still do that back in Ontario. And yeah, it's still a challenge, right? They still have issues with tenant problems. Like I don't know anyone who's had a full-time tenant who hasn't had an issue with something. 
Like I talked to all my friends in Jay Crescent who put secondary suites in their homes and they've they've all had a tenant in there for a year that's like, oh, they run the heat at like 85 degrees constantly, right? And it's like my hydro bills are crazy. It, there's Again, there's that lack of it's like, well, this is mine and I'm paying for it so I can do what I want with it. So a very different kind of mentality. And, and well, I think there, to your there point, is, there is people don't line. want. I, I think like if I, if I was told today, like you can't do this anymore. That that suite doesn't become a full term full time suite for somebody. Yeah. A lot like, of people don't want full time tenants in their secondary yeah. suite. Safino so went ahead and said, "Nope, you know what? We're done. We we need rentals because people who live here they don't have a place to stay. We have a zero rental market. So short term, we're banning Airbnb. And what happened was that people with those suites just said, "All right, fine. I take it off the market. Yeah, that's it. But where it might add to it is for multifamily residential." complexes, uh, townhomes, uh, condominiums that are currently legally renting their properties on Airbnb. So if you do license, uh, allow people with residents to rent out a secondary suite or an accessory building or rooms in their home, similar to what Tofino has done, that would probably add more to the, the rental market because there are lots of people who purchase in a strata complex and they advertise it on Airbnb and rent it out that way. So if it was enforced, that would add. I don't think it would add 400 units, but yeah, maybe, maybe 200. Yeah, that's it's a good point. Like that idea that, you know, if your strata is not legally allowing you to do this, you, yeah, again, you're not following the rules. Like I'm all for me having to pay a licensing fee. I'm all for my suite had to be, you know, it's a legal suite. I have a fully legal suite. I had an inspector come through. I pay a huge utility bill on that. I had an inspector come through everything, you know, my water heater strapped to the wall, like all the things that make this safe right for a person need to be validated for anyone who's staying in one of these units you know i thought it was interesting because when i first went to move here it was like okay do we look at a semi-detached home fully detached home and the rules were very clear it was like if you have a semi-detached home you can't have a unit in. like i can't have a secondary income from a semi and i was like why <laughs> if this is a two and a half thousand square foot semi-detached home that i share a wall with somebody else why can't i take peace here and make this a livable space. So I think there's lots of things we yeah. can do, right. right? Like we have a lot of of places here and a lot of people who are entrepreneurial <laughs> and want to go out and find ways to generate income. Like there's there's people living here that work very modest jobs and live in very expensive homes because they're creative, yeah. right? Well, also, With, I, I had an email, I got an email from uh, one of our, our listeners who basically said, Airbnb, I think is a big issue, mainly because I can afford to stay here. I can afford to stay here and also support my two teenage children. If it wasn't for the Airbnb in my home, I, I have to move. I have to leave. I have to uproot my family, which we've been here forever. I don't think it's fair. It's the same thing, right? She fixed the home up, creating revenue so she can stay in Squamish and do her thing. And again, we talked about short-term rentals, how the benefits of it as a homeowner opposed to having a long-term renter. She's actually afraid. She's really afraid that she's going to basically lose everything and have to move out. I mean, or she puts in a long-term tenant. So, so she's in a, she has a secondary suite. So it depends on Airbnb basically to afford to live here and to, right. and to raise her teenage children is what yeah. she said. Right? And, so, and I mean, the, the rules are pretty interesting too. Like you can have an accessory uh, border in a home. Like you can legally just rent a room out in your home to another person. Like you can do that. You can do that on Airbnb. But that same thing can't happen in a secondary suite or in a carriage house. Or So like I said, they targeted very specifically couple things because they made an assumption that this was going to, you know, potentially fix a problem. I have friends who rent and they were like, oh, we're thinking because we rent this house, we'll just actually Airbnb a portion of it. Yeah. 
Like, so we're renting it. The owner doesn't know what's going on because they're just renting it. Right. And then they're being Airbnb behind. So there is definitely a reason. There's an example for us needing rules, right? hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And I, I fully am behind everybody having rules. So like proof of insurance for your, your secondary unit. Cause that's the other thing too, right? If your house insurance isn't covering the fact that you have a short term renter in it and that person burns your house down and burns your neighbor's house down, <laughs> right? Like simple things, right? Like you apply, you put it in, you pay your $250 fee, you give your proof of insurance that shows you have short-term rental coverage, right? Like safety equipment. Yeah. It's that, that it's been inspected for, yeah. Like very, very basic stuff. And it's done. Like you must have people who rent some of your properties. I mean, you're managing properties. So I'm sure you're dealing with rentals all the time, right? You must go through extensive vetting. You must go through extensive insurance paperwork for, for renters. Yep. Absolutely. We uh, vet the tenants before we place them. And so we hopefully we don't have any nightmare stories and we don't uh, usually. Uh, so we double check that way. But with Airbnb or short term rentals, you're having people live in your home that you don't know, particularly if they are just renting a single room. So there are some challenges behind that. You do want to make sure that your insurance company knows that you are renting a portion of it because they will deny it. And they have denied claims before for people that have moved out of their apartments and forgotten to tell their insurance company that they're no longer live there and they have a tenant and their claims get denied very easily. So you do have to make sure. Yeah. To me, it seems it's so simple. <laughs> like, you know, nothing in government is simple, but, <laughs> but the, the problem, right? Like first things first is, you know, come up with a, a solution to at least license the people who are here. The second thing, which the, the district has done now, which is go get input from the public. Right, like let's figure out what well, this you guys, actual. You guys did the questionnaire. What was on the questionnaire? Because right now there's a do you four step pro- Airbnb. Do you, yeah, very nightly, bluntly, sorry, nightly rentals. We keep calling it uh, yeah. Airbnb, short term rentals. rentals because yeah. Airbnb is the main one. But do you support it? If you support it, do you support a licensing fee or how are we going to do it? Well, these and are these are pretty simple. Do, if you do do this, you know how much revenue are you generating from it? Um, you know how. Yeah, how? Yeah, this is a four stage process. I saw. Uh, do you the, do you support yeah. the you know the good neighbor policies and all the, like? So they were they were asking good questions. I mean, it wasn't it, was it wasn't of, nearly as slanted of a of a survey as it could have been, right? Uh, <laughs> one way or another. So I mean, they're getting the data because I mean, right now they have they know every single unit. They could show up my house tomorrow and be like, "You have a short term rental here, and because this bylaw says it's banned, like you're fined, and we got to shut you down." Like they have, they know where I live. They know where every single person lives. They pay for this data. They monitor it. Each, they each have month. it. Yeah. So my suggestion is to do the, you know, normal thing you would do and just basically put a survey out to all the people who have these units right now and be like, we know you have one. So what we want to do is just get your feedback and here's what it is. You know, if you weren't allowed to do this anymore, would this open up a full-term rental space? <laughs> For somebody right. like ask the person who's mm-hmm. running the unit because my answer is no I, I wouldn't if i did anything i would delegalize my suite i would cut a hole in the wall between the two places and make it a legal bed and breakfast yeah. right, like, right. I, I, I would prefer not to have a door to there but if that's what i need to do in order to have the business continue to function then that's what happens right so they know the people they go out on an amnesty kind of approach and just ask for the information because it's important and I think that's the the reality is, is if they take that approach, everyone here in town recognizes that it's an important topic and they're considering it seriously. They should consider it seriously. I mean, we're yeah. not as bad as Whistler. And, and Whistler right now, they, they can't, people can't find a place to live, period. I mean, there's people who are employed who are basically renting a space in someone's bed. Like yeah. they're, they're sharing, like I'm paying rent to sleep with this one dude in the one room. Like there'll be two beds in one room and there'll be four yeah. people in it. And again, the entrepreneurial person will go out, rent the $6,000 home, then find 10 people. Right. To pay seven hundred dollars a month 
Well, the thing, the, the <laughs> and issue, then they've made a thousand dollars, and they're living in a mansion. Well, the big, the big issue is that those mansions are, are staying, yeah. are like they're basically empty. Uh, they're not <laughs> renting them out, but the the ones that are, are available that could house a lot of workers for the season, they are they're Airbnb instead, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of Airbnb in Whistler yeah. as well, right? So it's it's one of those things where you have to find that balance. Like I get you want to run your business, but I also understand that we need yep. to run the local economy. We need to get people who work here a place to live so we can keep things going if we keep catering to the tourists then we're going to see prices go up and this is what we see with property taxes what we see with rental rates they're going up because the availability is in there supply and demand right so so think about this right like if you did percentages right because i was trying to i was brainstorming stuff when this whole election was going on i was like there's got to be a a better way right like what's what's the right way forward like i'm i'm creative here like let's try to figure something out so uh, when I was checking AirDNA, I think we had 360 active units, right? I mean, yeah, there's 400 plus, but only 360 of them are actually being rented. And the average, I think the income level we were coming back, Airbnb was generating almost $10 million a year in Squamish of income. Now, it's like, okay, so if we were to take 4% of that, <laughs> right? Like that's 400 grand and be able to use that for affordable housing initiatives, right? Whether that's incentives uh, to be able to afford lower income families, to be able to afford the higher rental income prices here. So it helps the person who owns the home with their affordability. Because that was was the thing I noticed. Everybody was talking about housing affordability and nobody was talking about owning housing affordability. It was always about the renter, right? Like, oh, hey, rent's really high. Rent's really high. Rent's really high. It's like, has anybody asked how high my mortgage is? Right? Like I moved here two and a half years ago and bought a house for almost seven figures that I couldn't live in. I had to rip out because it was polluted with asbestos. That was, that was reality. And it was like, the only way I can afford to live here is to be able to, like, I'm going to have a much higher mortgage and I have to supplement that mortgage. How? Have a business that generates income and it's going to pay directly into that. The mortgage won't take into consideration Airbnb revenue, your mortgage company. They can. So you can look at your income as a business. So that can be looked at like I'm paying, you know, I can be paid out of there because yeah. I have I have cleaning costs and all this. But that revenue as the business, mm-hmm. um, if you're paying yourself, right? Like, again, being creative with how it works. We do it a little differently, but I know how a lot of people do it. But if you're if you can prove that income, your mortgage company will consider it. You just have to show history of rental income. So like if I was going to move in and I was going to base my mortgage like, hey, I can only get a mortgage of this size. If I have a renter there, I have to show that I have a committed renter signed ready to go in there. Residential tenancy agreement. But with uh, Airbnb, yeah. short term nightly rentals, it's, it's completely different. Slightly different. Yeah. But to be honest, like I could afford the house without it. So I didn't need that in order to secure the mortgage. Only if you want to eat. Right. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) I want to take the kids to the airhouse. Right. Like, and that's the thing people don't realize. Like, it's like, there's so many other businesses that feed off the disposable income that people are able to. Well, I'm one of them. Right. My business depends on that as well. And, and so I always say, like, there's a lot of kids here. And then it's like, well, there's a lot of mortgage poor here. Is what I say. So it's it's trying to find that niche that's not so mortgage poor that can spend the extra money to come to my place and and make a mess, essentially. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I understand that there's help there. And you need the help to basically cover the bills apart from just your mortgage. But there are other people in town, too, right? And this this is where we have to find that balance. Yeah. So I mean, the bank will always loan you more money than you can afford. 
right? And that's the thing a lot of people like, hey, you know, if I punch in my income and all that stuff into into the bank calculator, they're like, oh, you can buy a two and a half million dollar home. I'm like, no, I can't. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm looking at that number. That doesn't make sense. Like, that should not work. But the problem is they will give somebody that money. So now all of a sudden they've got that mortgage and they're holding it and going, how am I going to pay this bill? Right. Again, I'm going to be mortgage poor. I can rent part of my house out, be able to have a tenant there. I could do Airbnb. And the thing, I think people's perception is that Airbnb is just this cash cow that just allows you to just generate and generate and generate money, right? People don't realize like how much work it actually is. So like last year, our suite flipped 168 times. So that's 168 extra loads of laundry, right? Of towels, bedding, all that stuff, cleaning, right? So uh, you've got the administration for booking, managing all those people. When you actually look at the overall costs, like my expense just to keep that suite running is around twelve to $13,000 annually, right? So now delete that and look at the income revenue and then go, if I had a full-term renter in there, I'm not really making that much more money. But it's a different way of doing it. And it's work. Like this is well, a, because this is you're a putting job. work into it. You're putting work into yeah, it. Yeah. So you, you want that five star rating. There are some not, people who who sort of don't do the 168 loads of laundry who don't walk <laughs> my, like he didn't use his room, so we don't have to clean it. There are differences. I mean sure. your standards might be a little bit higher than But others. this I think comes down as well to if we if we look at licensing, you're gonna get the people who are serious about it, right? They're gonna pay the fees, they're gonna go through the inspections, they're gonna do the things that are there, they're, the taxes are gonna get collected, everything like and it's it's a business, right? It is a business at that point. It will naturally filter out the people who don't necessarily think it's that, you know, it's not that important to them. Right. I think there's probably quite a few people that don't yeah. don't keep it to the same level that you do. You know, they just put it on and rent it out. And it's easy for people, yeah. right? To the to the easy point. Money. It's yeah. a simple way to do it. Um, but they're also probably the people that are only making four or five thousand dollars in a year, and they're renting them out, right? You know, there's places on my street like I am one of the most effectively priced, which is why we're as busy. Like we want to be busy, and so we're priced at a price point that gets you know reasonable people in. But what's interesting, as soon as I drop that price point, like if we start having slow times, and I drop that price point, I start seeing the type of uh, person coming in change. <laughs> right. And all of a sudden now I have a lot more noisy people, younger people coming in. I don't want that. So now it's like, nope, price stays higher. <laughs> right. And I'm vetting just based yeah. on a price point. Right. And I'm starting to balance that. There's, you know, the same challenges apply on the short term side and the costs associated with it. Like, again, yeah, there's people out there that, you know, they charge $220 a night for their three or four bedroom home and they're rented 80% full. Like that person's making a mint on that house, right? Like that, that's what they're doing. Is that their second home in Squamish? Is that their third home? Who am I to say what they should or shouldn't do with the property they own? And that's the big crux of it too, right? I mean, how can you tell people what they can and cannot do with their own properties? But this is a funny thing. In you the can. full In the full- <laughs> that's, You that's can. What, that's what yeah. kind of gets me but, too. But here's what's interesting is in that full house, it's fully legal today. So that right. person who's probably making forty, fifty thousand $50,000 a year, right, with Airbnb, that's fully legal and that whole house is off market, but my 300 square foot <laughs> uh, sweet kitchen area, that's illegal. Right? How, how would the full house rental be legal? Because they would 
they're it's operating not, it in. But it's so so well, this they, is they the thing. This thing because the, the the they wanted to increase the rental market, correct? So yeah. basically, what they did is that they removed the DCCs and all these yeah. other regulations for right. you to build a suite so you can rent it out, but people took advantage of that system basically to Airbnb it. And that's when the government or the, the municipality went, Hey, come on now. This yeah. is not what we asked you to do. And they so, actually called me on that. So when I yeah. showed up at the district to talk about some other stuff I was going on, they're like, Oh yeah. So when you had, cause I moved here and when I had moved here, they had already put, you know, they would put that thing in place to allow your suites to get legalized uh, for no cost. Right. And I think it used to be 5,000 or something. It was a large fee to be able to legalize your suite. So I was like, yeah, I'll legalize the suite. It makes no sense not to. Yeah. Like, I want a legal suite. Went through the process. And then when I had gone in and went for that bed and breakfast approval, like went to apply to be a legal bed and breakfast, they're like, yeah, well, you two just totally took advantage of the system. I'm like, what do you mean? I, and they're like, well, you know, you use this this free, you know, secondary suite registration thing that we had to just try and rent a bed and breakfast. I was like, is that how you're looking at it? <laughs> Like, That's exactly how they're looking. I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I want a separate space for people. Like, I don't want them in want my home. I would like to be able to have a, and moving here, like, imagine trying to get this information out of the district prior to buying your home. It's like herding cats. There's no, because it's not written, right? And like the, the, the amendments to the omnibus, like it was so funny because I was asking questions online during the election cycle. And it was amazing how much misinformation there was. Like just people who thought that, oh no, that's been banned the whole time. It's like, no, like they literally put that amendment in during this one bylaw. So, so people just didn't know. But it would still be illegal even if it specifically doesn't say that the nightly rentals are illegal. You're running a commercial hotel type enterprise out of a single family home. So that wouldn't so the be short the term so the short term rental and this is the thing if it's not excluded is it, is it included? Right. Right. So is it or isn't it? And what's weird is if it was excluded, why did they have to add specific language that excluded it? I think they probably put that in to, to make it clear to everybody that if you are building a secondary suite, you're not allowed to use it as an Airbnb, where before, if it's not there, people would say, well, it doesn't say I can't, so I'm, I'm able to. And here's the interesting thing, because you can Airbnb the room in your house with an accessory border, completely legal. Because the accessory border piece, right? So again, it does, it does sound like because they, complete, they allow you to register for free. It, the minutia, it, it, like know. it's it's yeah. it's a very what we need is we need a very explicit. <laughs> this is how it works because people will make decisions based on the information that they can get from the sources that they have access to. Right? I think that's the direction that we're moving. Just give it a specific. This is a one pager of what you can do is if you want to put your unit or your accessory building into a short-term rental situation. I think that they're backtracking and trying to work everything out because it's come to a head that it's a problem now. How do we figure it out? Yeah. And I think the big issue is what's the problem, right? Because we always tend to do that, right? Mm -hmm. We turn around and we go, what's the problem? Well, the problem is Airbnb. It's like, okay, we'll take it one step deep. What's yeah. the problem? Housing prices. Why are housing prices so high? Okay, Airbnb. Vancouver, right? <laughs> is it Airbnb that's generating that, right? Or is it Vancouver's housing prices? Because okay, what's interesting is you see the district, like I, I would get into arguments with the district online all the time. Okay, before I moved out here, like, this was a big deal. Like I was coming out here, I was tripling my mortgage. The only thing I learned when I was younger was debt is bad. Right? I'm like, I'm moving to Squamish because I want it's to funny, live. we're the second most indebted country in the world, but hey, you know. Right? So it's like, <laughs> debt's bad. Debt's bad. Debt's bad. Oh, I want to move to Squamish. Well, debt's a reality, right? So <laughs> you're never going to pay the mortgage off. So just deal with that. And But I want to live here, right? Like, I want to raise my kids in the mountains. This has been a place like my wife and I had looked at moving to BC for years, never pulled the trigger. An opportunity came up. It was like, 
we're doing it. So yeah, triple the mortgage. Great. If I had moved to Squamish five years earlier, I'd be retired. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't live in Squamish anymore, right? I'd have to live in the interior somewhere. But my house mm-hmm. increase alone would have allowed me to retire, right? <laughs> so you're like, I'm good, right? Yeah. And this is this is the if, thing. If my podcast fails, I'm fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll be okay. But you know, and so when you look at these housing prices, so I, I was asking friends who lived in Vancouver, who'd lived there for years, right? And I had a buddy in Richmond, he's like, the value of my home, he's like, it's just insane, right? Like watching how much my house is worth now. And he's like, but I'm never going to sell because I like living here. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what and, and this is what normally happens, right? So you see this increase in housing value and the people who are like, I'm cashing in, they don't want to live here anymore. This is a perfect, yeah. you know, crux time to do it. And they bail out. They're like, see you later. I'm going somewhere else. And, you know, all my friends were looking at me. They're like, you think like you got to look at Squamish, right? He goes, it's 45 minutes from Vancouver. It's 35 minutes from the largest ski resort on the planet. So you've got a major metropolitan area. You've got the largest ski resort. Yeah. And you've got this beautiful highway. You've got the house sound. You've got oh, mountains. Exactly. You've got everything. This is quite literally the most desirable place on the planet to live. Is it unreasonable to think that the houses are really expensive? Well, that's, well, that's, well, that's the thing. When I when I originally moved here in 98, when I first moved here, I was like, okay, why is this not big? Like Because Whistler's right there. Vancouver's right there. Yeah, the highway's a bit a pain because this yeah. was before the Olympics. And then, but the, the wood fiber mill would start off. You're like, oh, that's, that's why. why. Yeah. Uh, but then when wood fiber left and he expanded the highway, um, yeah, people started realizing, hey, it takes 40 minutes to get here. It's beautiful up here. And it would only be a matter of time, yes, for the prices mm-hmm. to come up. I mean, it's I mean you can't fault no it's, it's market it's that's right? the market people yeah. want to live where they want to live and this is the thing like you go think about this you moved here in 98 if you look at the value of this home versus 98 to now you could walk away <laughs> from this house with a boatload of money in your hand and be but like go where yeah exactly where do you want to go oh that's right you want to live here yeah I do so you don't but the thing is we still have a shortage yeah right so look at Vancouver so the question is, why Why do we have the shortage? Again, I think it's really hard just to like put Band-Aids on the gaping wound, right? Like Airbnb is one of those Band-Aids, right? But we're not getting to the root cause and realizing what it is. So you go, okay, so we have a bunch of workers here who can't afford to live somewhere. Is that what the problem is? Or is it that families like myself, right? Husband, wife, two kids can't afford to buy a home here. Or I managed to make it happen. I've got friends that just bought homes, right? Like, People are making making that work. Like, what's the actual problem? And I think if we really look at that, it's like, how many businesses are starting up in Squamish? Like, good-sized businesses, right? It's extremely expensive to start mm-hmm. a company here. Just be like, you look at the Airhouse, right? They've been very public about how much it's costing them to try to run that place. Well, that the right. house is a bit different in regards to insurance. Sure, those are. But, you know. but keep in mind, <laughs> land costs and things like that, like yeah. trampoline places. Like, well, let's just take a look at movie theater. I mean, just just to get a movie theater in this place, you're looking at three million dollar investment, and then you're looking at selling tickets for twenty bucks. Like, and then you know, <laughs> then it's going to take forever. Yeah. So, so we're missing that. a lot of businesses that drive. Like, I remember growing up, and it was like, okay, who worked at the grocery store? It was every one of your friends, right? So you'd walk into the grocery store and it was like every kid I went to school with was sitting on the till working. They were stocking shelves, right? Like we were investing in, and, and it was the town full of families that kids were growing up there. They were working in those jobs at all those stores and move forward. I find is I see a lot of folks who've 
lived here for 20, 30 years, and they're still working those jobs, right? We're not advancing the industries that can allow people more opportunities in Squamish, right? So if we had more business here, we have more job opportunities. Well, now, now it's more to, financially now viable. For yeah. Well, this is the thing, right? <laughs> but but this is it. Like, yeah. don't look at the band aid. Look at the yeah. huge gaping hole we have, and let's figure out how to stitch it up from the inside. But all of these problems are not unique to Squamish. No, right? no. It's, it's Whistler is place, more expensive yeah. than Squamish, both rental and flying home. Vancouver is more expensive. Langley, Coquitlam. You can live in all of those places and you're probably paying more unless you're going way out to the valley. And Squamish is actually, in the grand scheme of things, more affordable than these other places. Totally. And that's why everybody's moving here. Well, there's, you have to give kudos too to the prior mm-hmm. governments in town. They've done a great job of analyzing and looking and putting in proper policy and, and to sort of you know get to this precipice where we're at now. And to your point, I did think they've mismanaged a little bit in terms of the short rental when it comes down to making well, laws and stuff. But I mean, what do you, what do, you do though? I mean, But it's the same it's, thing like, okay, the solution add more homes so we're just going to start approving developments and paving over the green space yeah, but more homes space in. is that the right answer but we don't have the space for it this, right? is, this is where the crux of the problem is we where do we build well exactly so i mean so do, do we build create, in the floodplain right well, do or do we build up like by the the fire interface boundary like where, where do we build right well, you brought up an idea you brought up an idea <laughs> earlier about if you do proper licensing and proper money there's an extra 400 grand Right, that's what you run. Uh, yeah, if you tax, so four percent. If you put so a four percent tax, what, what would, would be a limit tax for you? Like, so what if we go? If what it doesn't this? matter if everyone's paying the tax. That's the tax. There's no getting away from it. Like nobody goes, oh, I'm not buying this today because there's five percent GST on that. Okay. Right? Yeah, it's like I think what you mean is is what Marcus means is that what point would you say I'm not doing short-term rentals. So, but the, the, the tax isn't, see, so that tax comes off automatically. So basically, I sit down and I go, I set a rate for my unit. Great. Everything above that, that's the government. The government adds 4% to my unit. I'm not changing the price of my unit. My unit's going to stay the same price. I'm not lowering but it. That's if everyone does the same. I'm going to look at it in terms of the market. 4% for me, right? That's And we're not talking about ourselves. That's that's all being done by the person renting the unit. My burden is nil, right? People have to stop thinking like if the government wants to add a 4% tax, I have to drop my price 4%. No, it just means short-term rentals are now 4% yeah, but more then you expensive. Become, you become less appealing if your prices go up. Do Would we? You, right? would, I don't know, but that's I, what I'm saying. I don't if, think if we do, would. If you do a cross-board thing, if everyone goes up by this is a tour. Yes. Well, that's the thing. Some people are going to decide to raise. Some people are going to decide to keep the prices the same. Some people are going to go like, "Oh, the price went up four percent. This is business, right? Mm-hmm. You, you make the decision. I know what I'm selling has value, right? If the government wants to add four percent tax to that, add four percent tax. I guarantee it a four percent increase to my price and. One of my competitors. So my question is, what, neighbors? what kind of increase would stop that appeal? Right? I don't know. Like right now, because the way Airbnb did it was they went out and basically blanketly said everybody's getting 2%. And then some of the districts could turn around and say, well, we want more. Squamish just took the two. Well, maybe we should take four. <laughs> like, let's figure out why. Right? So like I said, we, there's lots of things we could do. And I mean, if, if you think about this, right? $10 million of accommodation revenue. Accommodation is probably accounting for about 30 to 40% of the average tourists spend while they're here. So we're talking 10 million in, in accommodation, maybe more million dollars worth of total spend in town, restaurants, right? Like think think about all of that extra cash that's influenced by that. So with your $10 million, how did you come up with that amount? You, so I was taking or? I was taking the information off. Um, so there's a site called AirDNA. Right, which is uh, basically it's an Airbnb big data analytics system. So you can look at all the Squamish rental data uh, for Airbnb, just specifically Airbnb. So right. it doesn't include bookings, Expedia, or anything else. And was looking at average uh, rental rate, right? Now, per night. 
or done over months. Okay. So it was like per month, per unit, like this is what the average was per unit of income. And I mean, over the summers, it's probably less. Like, to be honest, I have to pay for a subscription to pull all the deep data. But yeah, they've and it's it's twenty dollars, but I'm cheap. Um, <laughs> but that data like that, that income amount, that's public right now. So if you want to go deeper into like which specific units are generating which income and stuff. Right. You can get that. The district pays 10 plus thousand dollars yeah. annually for the uh, I can't remember the name of the, the business, but they do a very similar thing. AirDNA is essentially meant for Airbnb owners who want to look and evaluate the prices of their units versus others and what people are getting and how frequently they're booked. Because, I mean, this has been a slow month for November has been pretty slow compared to what ours was last year. And again, I don't want to just keep dropping the prices and end up changing the type of person I have to right. come in, right? With your visitors, what price point would that push them into going to Whistler instead or uh, into a hotel? Well, this is the interesting thing. Kirby at the gondola said something really interesting. And he was like, initially, what they wanted to do with the gondola when they built it was peel off a small percentage of the Whistler traffic. That was the goal, right? So a destination traveler going from Vancouver to Whistler, they were going to just peel them off, have them do a gondola trip and have them continue on to Whistler. And then they've done some studies and they found that actually now their majority customer is actually going to Squamish as the destination, Mm -hmm. right? Squamish is now where they're going, not Whistler. Whistler is maybe part of the trip, but they're actually intentionally stopping in Squamish. They want to enjoy what Squamish has. It's it's changed the customer. My rate being higher, like I, I get a, a huge number of people who want a temporary space to stop before Whistler. So they book their vacation, they book their hotel, they got it all set up, they fly in the night before. And they don't have a place to stay, so they drive halfway, right, get to Squamish, so stay in Squamish for their night before. And they take off and go off to Whistler, right? Um, I get probably 15% of my people. That's It's a single night and there. It's just a stop and their way to Whistler. The rest of the people are here to enjoy Squamish. They're here to they're for a wedding. They're here for something, some event. They want to go hike. They're going to go to Whistler, uh, but they want to use Squamish as their base because it's closer to Vancouver, right? They kind of have everything here. The prices are less than Whistler, more of a town than Whistler. So so there's advantages. And I mean, the costs right now in Whistler are, are quite a bit more than Squamish. So yes, there's going to be, you know, we're going to see a 4%. I don't think a 4% increase would take a person and go, well, I'm going to oh, stay in Whistler. What if they then. start throwing like hotel tax and tourism yeah. tax and so all these sort of taxes? Well, I mean, point, you push them out. Yeah. Right. And, and I guess the question is we have to be as a district competitive with the other municipalities. If Squamish is here and going, hey, we're going to mark up everything 25% and Whistler's like, well, we mark it up three. Well, Whistler just raised our hotel tax from 2 to 3%. Yeah. So, I mean, we have to be market like as as a district, like we have to think about competitiveness, right? Because that drives tourism. Tourism drives income for this town, right? So it's not just a, oh, hey, it's the Airbnb people. It's like, no, these are people who are contributing to the economy of Squamish and we have to be competitive as a municipality versus Vancouver, right? West Van, Whistler, Pemberton. Knowing what we have, right? It's a business like anything else. So And there's a need for, yeah. for hotel nightly rental type. Yeah, we don't have a lot of hotels here. And the reality is, is like, How there's- How are those hotels? I have no idea. Every know. time I drive, drive by the executive it looks, suites, it looks, it looks deserted. I mean, the executive suites, I would say, looks busier than the Sandman. Oh, sorry. The Sandman, yeah. The, yeah. the one on the highway there, when you drive by, it's like, you look over, it's like, I see a big slide, but I don't see any cars. But the executive suites is also targeting the adventure tourist. They're kind of like an adventure hub. They've got all the rafting you know, company was based out of there. They work closely with Norman Rudy's and Norman Rudy's is really tied with like Sorka and mountain biking. Like, So they're trying to make, make it very, very competitive for a person who wants to be here to enjoy the outdoor adventure part. 
to be able to do that at the executive suites, which is great. That's what we need, right? We need accommodation like that. Yeah. Um, Airbnb didn't just fill a hole. It was, it also allowed, you know, people to be able to generate income, right? So it was like, great. Yeah. People need a place to stay. Is the executive suites full? Maybe they don't want to stay at the executive suites. They want to stay five minutes from the trailhead. They want to stay uh, in a neighborhood. Most of the people I talk to about Airbnb, I'm like, why do you choose Airbnb yeah. over, over like a hotel? And they're like, it's just a way nicer experience. You're dealing with a homeowner, like it's like a mom and pop kind of relationship, right? I need something, they're right there. Um, it's like the B&B mentality, like the reason I'd stay at a B&B versus a hotel. There's an owner, a person I can talk to. There's a little bit more feeling like you're supporting a community versus maybe a big business. And and that mentality, that's a, that's a way people work. And the tool, Airbnb itself, is super simple. Go in. I pick my place. It knows who I am. We rate each other. I can go. Great. This is very well reviewed. My only four star review is I didn't have teaspoons. <laughs> and I went. I have teaspoons. You just right. Can't. Like. Wait a second. What do you mean? I have teaspoons. And they're like not proper teaspoons. Right. Apparently. Oh, people from the UK. I I don't understand UK tea. Uh, the, the, the proper volume. Apparently. Right. It doesn't have the proper so, teaspoon volume. So. So it's just, it's different, right? And it's a different market, different type of person, right? Like when I travel, I've used Airbnb and I've used hotels. There's there's perks and advantages to using one or the other, right? So it's just different. It's a different market. Right. So what's, what's the consensus we have here then? Because we do have zero rental uh, space. We do need to create rentals. I think one of the solutions that we came up with was properly taxing you as the Airbnb owner. Licensing yeah. me, legalizing me, and then taxing me in terms of whether it's tourism tax or short-term rental tax or whatever. use that money into affordable housing. Affordable housing initiatives, yeah. right? Like I thought about that. Like you're like $400,000 a year. So you're like, how do we add 400 units? What if I gave 400 people annually $1,000 to complement rent? They get $1,000 to be able to help them afford a larger home maybe, right? So, okay, I've only got $1,100 a month. Well, now you have 2200 And then the person who owns the home, and again, You'd have to control it in a way so that homeowners aren't just jacking the rates up. So well, they oversight, but oversight has cost. Over, yes, it does. There's ways. There's enough creative people in this town that we can come up with a way to make this work and use funds like that. Like if we were able to get three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars worth of money to push towards affordable housing. Does does four hundred k make a dent, Mike? <laughs> Not really. I don't think that'll make a big difference at all because part of that four hundred you'll have to pay for enforcement. Mm-hmm. So you'll need to hire another uh, bylaw officer or a licensing officer just to just to monitor all of those. Well, this. T- doesn't do enforcement. We we just come up with rules. Right. Yeah. I'm just going with the status quo. <laughs> but but there's no point in even even coming up with a, a nightly rental bylaw if you're not going to enforce it. True. It's just True. wasted. So yeah. It's, lots of discussion for for no reason. But I I'm along the lines with you, and I don't even know if we have to be that creative. There's other districts and towns that are doing it already and are doing a pretty good job of it. At Tofino, we mentioned earlier, they have a, a nice policy in place already. They're a tourist destination. Um, they require that it's part of your principal residence. Simple. That would work for you. Um, you can't do an entire home. You can't do more than one room. You can't do it in in multifamily complexes, which is probably a good idea because strata corporations are going to ban them anyways. But and, I mean, if that's banned at the strata place. layer, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that should just be enforced at the strata layer. There would be appetite, I would argue. There would be multi-tenant units where they would allow it. And there would be appetite for people to be like, I'm going to buy a place here because mm-hmm. I can short-term rental this if I'm not available, right? And have it function like that. So that's one of the reasons I don't buy a second place in Squamish that would be a semi or something because it limits my ability to be able to use that, right? I would love to buy a second home and f- completely rent out, almost use my main space that I have right now, rent that to a long-term renter 
have my short-term renter on the side, could almost pay the long-term renter to manage that, and then go live in another house. Like, again, it's there's lots of ways we can do it. I think putting too many restrictions on it, like the principal residence thing, it's like, does that solve, is that going to solve the problem? It'll, it'll put right. some more rental stock back into the market, though, because there's lots of investors here that uh, buy homes and they rent them out and they're putting them on the short-term rental market because they feel that they're allowed to. But if you restrict it, it has to be your principal residence and restrict the numbers that you can do in here. That'll put all those units back into the rental pool. I don't know if it will, because what I think might happen, like, for instance, take take a person who's making thirty dollars to $40,000 a year annually on their principal residence. They're making more than that, because let's just say forty grand a year they're making on a principal residence in Airbnb. And it's their second home. So they live elsewhere. So they live somewhere else in Squamish. They have a home and they rent that whole place out. Right. I have a lot of friends that live in their carriage houses and rent out their principal residences. More financially smart for them to do that. But that would be okay. Right. If if that there that's on one property. So now take a person who's lived in Squamish 18, 20 years, got smart, house prices were going up, bought a second house. Right. So now they've got a second home. They don't want a full-term renter, right? They don't want a full-time renter. So now all of a sudden we ban it. And the first thing that house does is go for sale. But if you're buying an investment property, I don't think there's any, why wouldn't you want a a full-time renter? Because you're making $40,000 annually with Airbnb and you're not making that with a full-time renter. Plus with the restrictions, like this is the thing. A lot of those people don't want full-time renters for the same reason that you described, for the same reason that I've had experience with. We don't like it. If I had a second home for the whole purpose of running Airbnb, you can't, Airbnb that full house anymore because it's not your principal residence, I would sell that home. That that right. property no well, longer it, has it, value. I mean, if, if you invest in that property, you would have made your money anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> and then you just build an extension on your current home and you're good to go. Sure. Right. <laughs> and I mean, it's like, okay. And then what that does is takes one unit potentially out of, you know, circulation for short-term rentals. Like, so there's, there's a ripple effect, right? And it impacts a bunch of different things. Whether or not it helps the rental market is another story. And that's the problem is like, we all sit there and we think, Oh, it'll help. But unless we ask the questions, like, and we ask these people, like, hey, here's all the full houses, like three plus bedroom lists on Airbnb. And we ask these people, like, if you weren't allowed to, is this your principal residence? No. If we ban this from principal residences, what would you do? Think about that. Please get back to us. And if, but we, if they sell it, if they sell, you got more on the market, brings prices down, affordability is better. Potentially, you're going to, and this is the thing, if they do sell it, if they say, uh, I would bring it to a full-term renter, right? I mean, that's, this is the thing, like, we're all guessing, everyone's guessing, because no one actually knows what would happen, right? We're all making assumptions based on what our experience would be. And the most, I would say, the only thing I've realized since living here is that I have similar opinions to about half of town. <laughs> The other half of town, <laughs> they are completely different people than me. Welcome so to Squamish, right? And and so this is the thing. So I can't whatever I say like isn't going to necessarily be. Uh, it's not going to be in agreement with someone else, right? So so we have to ask these people, right? And if we take the amnesty type approach, like, hey, listen, we understand this is going on, but we're not just going to sit there and start with enforcement. We're going to start with understanding, right? And it's I, let's get the information. I think that's what they're doing right now. With yeah, question, right? starting with yeah. the survey, right? And I think it can be more. It can be way more pointed, right? Because you have have the renter portion because the survey is also going to get people who don't have Airbnb units getting their opinion and feedback, right? Like, And the problem is, is that the narrative is Airbnb is preventing you from being able to rent your home, right? Or being able to prevent you from affording a rental in Squamish. That's it. It's like, okay, great. I moved to Squamish because I like climbing. Awesome. I live in a van. I would prefer to not live in a van. I would prefer to live here. And the narrative has been, well, the reason you can't afford to rent here is because Airbnb. We're already pointing the conversation down a path without understanding if that's the problem. And this is just the reality of of the world we live in today, right? Pick an opinion and then speak about it like it's truth. 
So, so until we actually engage all of these people who are doing this, we're guessing. Kudos to the district for starting down this path. I like the fact that they're taking a very active approach in terms of getting feedback, but I think it can go even one step deeper and actually getting the stakeholders, people who have units, and understanding that, what would I do? There's only 360 of us that have something to answer, and they know who we are, so why not ask? <laughs> right? And I'm sure we will all, because that's the other thing too. They posted on the internet, like, how many of those Airbnb hosts responded to that survey i don't know right so maybe only 10 percent of us came and gave them feedback right but how many people are going to answer that survey honestly if they do if they answer the survey and say if you tax it or prohibit it i'm going to leave my place vacant some people can't afford to do that sure so that would add to the rental pool but you have to ask like we have we have to at some point expect a level of honesty from the people we're asking and I think if we take the approach of the, it interests us, we understand as a citizen, this is a way you make money, this is a way, right? And we're not taking the, the enforcement has to happen right away. Like, because all of a sudden the district becomes the enemy. It's like, oh, wait, they're the ones going to take this all away from me. If they take it with a very open approach of, hey, we're, we're getting the information so we can make the right decisions and make educated decisions based on data, right? And that was my big thing. Like when the district was posting all those charts of short-term rentals, I was like, this information is wrong. Like yeah. it's not correct and it's not correct because the data that Airbnb is giving them isn't been manipulated to address whether it's a home or it's a suite. There's no difference in Airbnb. It's the same thing. So they're going, there's this many homes. And you're like, no, there's not that many homes, a small portion of that. And if you actually fraction that off, I did this. I started like peeling the data back and going, it's probably not a suite if it's got three or more bedrooms. Yeah. Right. So I'm like. Let's look at three more bedrooms and literally more than half of Airbnb disappeared as soon as you filtered by that. So you're like, all right. So at least half of all the homes aren't homes. They're probably suites and units and carriage houses, right? All the things that they, you know, kind of messed up in that bylaw ban, right? So again, you're making decisions based on information that isn't necessarily accurate or that you don't understand. But how many of those units are one and two bedrooms? Because those would be the, the suites. How, there's houses here that are two bedrooms, right? Yeah. So, and again. Or, or one. Yeah. Say one bedrooms. Yeah. Single bedroom homes. Like, and this is the thing. So, uh, so one and two bedrooms are, were about the other, because there's rooms as well, right? There's a number of people who are yeah. just renting out rooms in their homes. But that, that was broken out. That's a shared. Yes. So yeah. that shared accommodation and homes are two different breakouts. And there's a third. Uh, I just can't remember it right now. But yeah, all the all the secondary suites, carriage houses, and so on fit under whole home. And it's yeah, it's at least half aren't aren't homes. They're parts of homes. I think the more we understand about that, the easier it is for us to go, oh wait, okay, that doesn't make a ton of sense. Because this law that we're gonna create doesn't deal with this problem. And and that's it. That's all I ask of of anybody is like educate yourself on the information and the data. So many people make decisions just based on I'm, I'm notorious for it too. We all are, right? It's just well, that's the, the world it's, today. It's, it's, it's what we live in, right? It's like, <laughs> it's I'm, I, this is what's been fed to me and I'm eating it, right? So I, I think the more the district can do in terms of gathering that data, and I think uh, I think hosts are, are uh, the people hosting these short-term rentals are very much uh, of the mentality that we want to find a way for, right? That's, well, yeah, and there's, like I said, there's the one the person who emailed me uh, anonymously who's basically saying the same thing. I'm afraid they're going to take this away from me and then I won't be, afraid, I won't be yeah. able to afford to live here anymore. Uh, and raised my two sons, which I was, you know, they were born and raised here, right? So any final thoughts, Mike? I like the direction that the district's taking because they are engaging the community. They're not rushing into it. There was discussion during the uh, Committee of the Whole meeting back in September that they were going to immediately 
require uh, people register and voluntarily register and go from there. And I, and I like the steps that they're taking. And, and I would be more myself in favor of moving towards what Tofino has versus what Vancouver has because they're different plans. Uh, Tofino charges more of a licensing fee and uh, annual fee, and they, they restrict it to your principal residence, and I think that's a good idea. Um, it would definitely affect the housing market by restricting it to your, your residence. Uh, your principal residence and uh, making a clear ban on multifamily. And I know you uh, you mentioned that, you know, let the strata bylaws deal with it, but then the strata has to also monitor it. And uh, there's not a lot of appetite for them individually to do it. Well, they're built for that essentially, but uh, <laughs> they are kind of hope. It's are. like, wait a second. That's not why I'm paying the fees. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. No, that's uh, for snow removal. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you, have to, you have to consider what uh, the neighbors think too. You know, entirely uh, an Airbnb uh, in a uh, residential neighborhood that affects your neighbors Uh, in an apartment building. You know, you've got all these strange people coming and going all the time or wear and tear noise parties that. So this is the interesting thing. So this was always because I was like, I haven't had anybody that's really thrown a party like and I hear about these crazy horror stories about like people throwing parties. And I think the reality is, is when you get a house all by itself and the owner is nowhere else. Right. And it's like, I've rented this place. Oh, it's in Whistler. Great. I'm going to have 15 people over tonight and throw a rager. Um, And that's happened. I have a friend in Squamish that lives in their carriage house, has their whole principal residence, and people will rent it and have total ragers in the Mm -hmm. place. And it's like, no. And no matter how much they advertise against that. My place is a little different because it is only 300 square feet. We specifically stay right on the front. Like we, we have things like we had people show up, you know, and they're like, yeah, I'm i I'm a smoker. I'm like book somewhere else. They're like, Oh, I'll just smoke outside. I'm like, Nope. My neighbors don't want to see people smoking. None of my neighbors smoke. So no. And that's why I think it should be limited to your principal residence. And I'm not saying that you can't live in your carriage house and rent out your main house. I think that's, that's, the same thing, but if you have a home that's all Airbnb or a condo that's all Airbnb, the entire piece of the property, and the owner lives off-site or out of province or out of town, then you're going to have those problems with ragers and smoking and, and see. I, I wrecking. my thought, like my greedy thought, and it's it's not the greedy; it's the how do I grow and scale a business? Is I need a second. I have one. Mm-hmm. It's functional. I'm able to there turn a profit, be able to do what I need. Okay, now I need a second. How does that work? Buy a condo. How how, how does building? <laughs> right and then, yeah buy a building and now you're <laughs> right so so i'm like how, how do i make this work well easy i divorce my wife on paper right and she buys a second residence <laughs> it, it becomes find a loophole to make it, to find some other way to work right I'd, I'd love there to be an easy answer and there isn't well we're getting closer to one yeah, I yeah. Think. and and this is the thing and I, I, to your point right i really i do appreciate the way the district is taking it right now i do know that they they have a tendency sometimes to to jump the gun in terms of understanding the problem before they go out and and make decisions. So I'm glad to see that there is this kind of public consultation process taking place. And I think now, especially after this election, it was made way more clear to me that I have to be way more proactive as a citizen here, following what's going on. <laughs> well, because is, I'm I, hoping I'm being educated. Hopefully, with like, I get more exactly. people listening to the podcast. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. And it's I. I I think we're going to find that way. And and yeah, like, you know, to Tofino's point, it was like it didn't add a single, you know, full term rental unit. Like they were like, this is this is what's going to fix the problem. So there's there's examples of this not working. Right. Taking a certain approach. So but with Tofino, they also have, you know, 67 bylaw violations for short term rem- rentals issued in 2017. So I don't know how big their pool is, maybe 300. Mm. So if ha- if one third of them is uh, renting them out illegally 
and eventually they no longer are able to because they're getting their thousand dollar fine i'm not sure what the fine is but vancouver's a thousand dollars they'll put it into the rental pool because those owners don't live there yeah they're investors from out of town so they'll either have to sell it and or they'll have to rent it out and if they sell it and everybody has to sell it supply and demand right bring the rates down so yeah to the to the point i think the more we know about what the people with these units would do and if laws were changed Mm -hmm. i think it makes it we're more educated as a as a community on how we should move forward um, Everyone at the end of the day wants their money. So as long as the district's everybody wants money, to pay, put food on the table, exactly. put the kids in in fun programs, exactly. and exactly. be able to. So I mean, you you yeah. want to be able to afford your mortgage. The district wants to be able to regulate this and be fair to everyone. So as long as they're making their tax money, and that money goes towards people who need it to find affordable housing. As long as maybe we find a model within that, I think that's how I think everyone is happy. Mm-hmm. And this this is the way I see it. So hopefully that's that's the decision they come to take at the district, and hopefully they kind of figure that out. Thanks, guys, for joining me today. I mean, Thank you. We've been we've been going on for a bit here. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't think um, we're not going to solve the problem today, but as long as we start the discussion and, and that Airbnb is not the villain, um, it, it helps a lot of people in town. It's with the their, tool. Their business is a tool to help with the tourism. <laughs> but again, it's finding that balance because we still have people here who can't afford to be here. And yes, living in a van is not that cool. Depends who you talk to. Well, some people like to do that. Some of those vans are really nice. I know. (laughs) I know. But I'm sure like some, the ones who don't want to live in a van. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Place they can afford to live. Yeah. And and run those jobs and have those jobs in town that, you know, we need. And I mean, that's, that's the challenge, right? Like I I mentioned this too, you know, back in, I lived in Toronto for, you know, a bunch of years downtown and 11 years ago, I was paying $1,850 a month for a one bedroom. And I had, I would wake up in the morning and kick people smoking crack off my front porch. It was $1,850 a month, 11 years ago. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, yeah, the reality is it's not cheap to live and rent. And my, my the thing I, I would leave is like my kind of last thing is just remember where we live. This is a, an unbelievably incredible place. Right. And there's a cost associated with that. And I would love to be able to say, you know, if I can get by on a, shoestring budget to be able to live here. But the truth is, is there's a lot of people who want to live here that, that are affording it. And that's what's driving values and everything up. And mm-hmm. we're a victim of our own uh, beauty, frankly. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you. Thanks, and, Marcus. Uh, I'll, throw, I'll throw some links up there. You want to throw some links for your business up there? Sure. I'll do it. Righthub.com? Uh, .ca. .ca. Oh, very Canadian. Yeah, it's very Canadian. And I've already messed up your, your, <laughs> your company. So you go ahead and give me the... the Dynamic the, Property Management.ca. Perfect. Thanks, Mike and Matt. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. This is the Sea to Sky podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky podcast. Thank you for clicking us on 